Clearing the Haze, episode number 50, have we come to a crossroads with drug and alcohol in our nation? Keeping today's workplace drug-free should not be confusing. This is the Clearing the Haze podcast, giving you the tools you need to most effectively address drug and alcohol use and decreased productivity in the workplace while investing in your positive company image. Now, here's your host, Chuck Marting. Identify your problems, but give your power and energy to solutions. Tony Robbins. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Clearing the Haze. I'm your host, Chuck Marting. To say we have come to a crossroads in this country when it comes to drug and alcohol would be an understatement. We talked in past podcasts about Oregon, Washington, D.C., and other states not only wanting to pass the legalization of marijuana, but hallucinogenic and psychedelic drugs as well. And here we are on November 4th. We find out that these measures all passed. What a scary time for our country's workplace and employers who ultimately will pay the price. I'll talk more about this in the podcast today. But the following states approved ballot measures legalizing the use and possession of drugs in their states. Arizona, they passed marijuana legalization four years after defeating a similar measure. Mississippi, they approved a robust medical cannabis ballot over a restrictive alternative placed on the ballot by lawmakers. Montana, they approved marijuana legalization. New Jersey, they approved a referendum to legalize cannabis, setting it up as a potential wave of East Coast states to follow suit. Oregon made their state the first in the nation to decriminalize possession of all drugs. This ballot measure approved also using existing marijuana tax revenue to fund expanding treatment services. But they also approved a first-of-its-kind measure to legalize psilocybin therapy. South Dakota approved separate initiatives to legalize marijuana and medical cannabis. Washington, D.C., they approved a measure to decriminalize psychedelics in the nation's capital. You know, it still baffles my mind that we have a state such as Oregon that its population, with no doubtedly includes medical professionals, addiction specialists, recovering drug and alcohol addicts, and many, many others who could emphatically show from firsthand knowledge and experience why passing these types of laws will be devastating. You know, in a local high school here in Colorado a number of years ago, before the legalization or approved use of medical marijuana, a student under the influence of a hallucinogenic drug was leaving class and walking down the hallway when he saw what he thought was a giant spider on the back of a female student that was being attacked. In an attempt to save this girl from the attack that he felt was very real, he ran up and began stabbing the spider with a knife he had on him. The problem was, there was no spider, and this young woman was critically injured as a result. You know, many of our veterans who have returned from battle 
have been diagnosed with post-traumatic stress as reported in past episodes. And a lot of them have turned to psychedelic and hallucinogenic drugs in an effort to cope with these conditions. I remember as a police officer, our department responded to a residence of an individual who had returned from Iraq and was diagnosed with PTSD. He had barricaded himself and his family in the home in an effort to protect his family from what he thought was an invasion, was only his neighbors celebrating the 4th of July, lighting off fireworks. It's obvious that we are, what we are doing is not working for one reason or another, and I'm positive many guests could share and explain exactly why and what we are doing isn't working, but does that mean we arbitrarily turn to illegal substances that have histories of causing harm to not only the user, but also to those in society. How does this affect our society, our employers, who may have employees who choose to use these drugs because in most cases, in these ballot measures, they've passed as medical therapies? How are you as an employer going to react when employees come up to you and they come and they say to you, informing you that you can test them for drugs, but they have a medical marijuana car and it's perfectly legal. And saying to you, there's not a damn thing you can do about it. How are you going to react? Now, if you've listened to Clearing the Haze for any amount of time, or you've attended any of the trainings that I've done, or read any posts that I've done, on LinkedIn or Facebook regarding synthetic urine and how much we get on a daily basis. I can now tell you of one situation out of the hundreds that we've been involved in, in identifying and recovering these from donors. This scares me, and I think it's just something that we're going to start seeing. You see, yesterday we had an individual come into our office asking to do a self-test because he was worried that he was going to test positive for marijuana. And he wanted to be sure that he would pass his test before he was tested by his future employer. Now, this isn't uncommon in and of itself. We have individuals for one reason or another who come in and they self-test, whether it's to prove to family members or a spouse or others that they are truly not using drugs. But in this case, the individual asked for a 10-panel rapid screen test to include marijuana. And what was truly amazing in this situation was this individual gave us synthetic urine. When we advised the donor that we could not test his specimen because it was too hot and did not register temperature, had no foam, no bubbles, or even an odor of urine, that in our experience, what he had given us was an adulterated specimen. Now, I'm not going to lie, this truly baffled me and the collector that someone would come in and do a self-paid test using synthetic urine. Of course, this individual stated that we had pee in that cup and that it was his pee. And we advised him that we could not test the specimen that he gave us based on our observations and what we explained to him. But if he wanted to submit to another test, we would be glad to test it. Well, the donor stated that he would. And he sat out in our lobby and he drank about three eight-ounce cups of water within 15 minutes. And then he stated, I think I can go now. But this time, after being let back into the restroom to collect the specimen, we observed that the specimen to be a totally 
different dark color. And as we approached the cup, it had a very strong odor of a cleaning chemical. Now, in our experience, and what we've received and recovered before, we knew exactly which brand of synthetic urine that this individual had given us. The solid temperature on there was barely 90 degrees. And we advised him that this specimen was also not ex acceptable, that it was totally darker color, that the temperature was barely readable, and that it had a very strong odor of a cleaning chemical. He was he decided that he was leaving and he wasn't going to give us another testable specimen. So why would an individual do a self-test and not only give you synthetic urine once, but then turn around and give you another synthetic urine brand within 15 minutes? Well, the reason is he was trying to see which synthetic urine specimen he could pass off to us that we wouldn't think was synthetic, but that it was real and that we would test it so that when his employer called him to go in for a pre-employment test, he knew which brand of synthetic urine to use. I should probably tell you at this point, the donor still told us prior to testing that he had stopped smoking marijuana three weeks previous to doing this test that he was in our office for. The only problem was he had a very strong marijuana smell about him that would tell us otherwise. Now, we are definitely in a different time in our society. Individuals who have been home during this pandemic or have lost their jobs have in most cases turned to substances in a way to relieve, relieve, give them relief, give them recreation, and also in helping them to cope what is going on in our society. Now as collectors, we need to be vigilant and we need to be aware of what length individuals will go to to not only keep their job but be be able to have a new one where drug testing is required what is it that we can do first of all we need to understand that even though these states have passed these ballot measures state laws cannot supersede federal law which basically means even though it's legal in that state it is still illegal nationally or federally. Now, will local jurisdictions charge individuals under federal statutes for breaking the law in using these substances? That's a good question. And to be honest, this is one of the many reasons I chose to retire from law enforcement because of the amount of red tape and time that these individuals were given in tying the hands of police officers and being able to enforce the laws because jurisdictions were fearing lawsuits from individuals choosing to use these substances. And then if we charge someone, that they would be liable. Now, more than ever, it's important that we not only explain to our clients the dangers of allowing these substances into our workplaces, but also we have an obligation to help protect them by providing opportunities for training and learning to recognize and identify drug and alcohol impairment in the workplace. I strongly feel that this is the only way we can make a difference within a workplace. 
this experience, these types of new laws where individuals feel that since it has now been illegally passed that they can go to work under the influence of drugs or alcohol and that their employers are helpless in enforcing any type of discipline or addressing it or even terminating an individual for being under the influence of drugs is here. As you talk to your clients, it will be an eye-opening experience for you to realize just how little they know or think they know regarding drug and alcohol in every state thus far that has passed these substances and made them legal. It is still not Individuals going to work choosing to be impaired are a danger not only to themselves but others in the workplace because of their condition. This is the best option we have in not only protecting our clients but helping them to protect what they have built and keeping them from losing everything they've worked so hard for in showing them and helping them to recognize and identify impairment within their workplace. Are you prepared to be able to provide these type of services to your clients in helping them to identify drug and alcohol use in the workplace? Do you know where you can go to be able to get these services to make them available for your employers or clients to do this research, to put these things at the forefront of your business, to be able to have them available so when that call comes for help, you have the resources needed to give that help to your clients. You are their lifeline, and you're the one that they're going to turn to for answers, direction, and guidance for this troubling trend that we're seeing. If you're looking for those resources, I can provide you the resources that I have that I provide for my clients by contacting me by email that I will give you at the end of the show. But there are other resources other than myself that can provide those services for you as well, such as Indesa, SAMHSA, or DrugAbuse.org. Now, I know that this episode is a little bit shorter than most, but I hope it has given you the thought and understanding as to what is going on in our nation and how we as collectors can make the best of this and make a difference in protecting and helping the clients that we worked so hard for. So please feel free to share this episode with others in our industry who would benefit from this information. As always, thank you for tuning in to this episode, and we'll look forward to bringing you a new episode next week. If you have any recommendations or suggestions on topics or training that would be beneficial to not only yourself, but to others in our industry, please feel free to contact me with these suggestions at helpclearthehaze at gmail.com. Again, that's helpclearthehaze at gmail.com. Until next week, remember, it's your vision, it's your dream, and it's your business. Take care. <laughs>